Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. episode today's episode 19 and we're picking up from armor up part one where you describe what that means and we went over one example again from the book dare to lead by Brene Brown because we're in a season of increasing our vulnerability welcome to the armory we're going to be talking about the second armor that we wear at times as Christians, and that is working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition. Now, will you recommend that people that haven't listened to part one go back and listen to that? This or one can kind of stand on its own. Do you want to do a little recap of what armor and daring Yeah. Is? Yeah, I totally can do that. Um, Let's do that by going through a scripture. Ooh, okay. Let's do it. Let's go to 1 John 4, verse 18. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of stuff we're talking about, if you're just looking to go in and, like, prove your point, you're not really going to be able to find it. Uh, So cautionary tale here, because that's kind of like what I'm doing. Um, But this is something that really opened up me to the idea of armored versus daring leadership. It opened up me to that there was something wrong with my Christianity. Hmm. There was something wrong with the way I approach myself and others. And so in 1 John 4, I encourage you guys all to go and look at all of it. And the Bible Project does a great job on um, their video for this letter. First John. Uh, on First John. Well, okay. they do all the Johns, but uh, they camp mostly on First John Cool. in their video. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So the concept of, you know, we are afraid because we've been hurt. Mm. We want to protect ourselves because we've been damaged. And the world is a dangerous place. People are dangerous. We're dangerous. And we need to protect ourselves. From ourselves. From ourselves, <laughs> from the world, and in some cases, even God. Mm. Right? Because we can think of God as someone who's going to ultimately punish us. Wow. Yeah. You know, that whole idea of, yeah, at the end of all time, God will raise everyone. and But some people are going to be going into heaven and other people are going to be going into hell. Yeah. You know, so... That kind of misunderstanding there. And just so we want this armor because we want to protect ourselves. Because we're afraid of punishment. But love does away with fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. So being vulnerable is being loving. 
And armored leadership is protecting ourselves because we want we, we know that we're, things are dangerous, we're going to get hurt. Where daring leadership is kind of like setting aside that armor and leaning into the discomfort, leaning into the uncertainty, leaning into some of the pain so we can try and figure out how to get to the root and the heart of ourselves, others, and of God. Yeah, and then just to quickly recap um from there to lead in page 76 that's where we're drawing uh the armor and leadership um and the daring leadership what we talked about in the last episode was armor leadership is driving perfectionism and fostering fear of failure and daring leadership is modeling and encouraging healthy striving empathy and self compassion Mm -hmm. so if you haven't heard that if you want to go more into that topic go ahead and go to episode 18 but now we're ready for a new uh translation in here which one do you have for us today from this long list of 16 which i know we're not going to cover all yeah yeah we're kind of just going down in order this is number two okay this is working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition so this is having like a a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> scarcity is kind of defined as, um, I like the way it's defined in economic terms. Okay. So that's defined as the gap between limited resources and theoretically limitless wants. The notion of scarcity is that there is never enough. <laughs> so you think about fossil fuels, right? You think about. I don't, but I know you do. <laughs> you think about. <laughs> coal you think about oil right and you think about basically the they're called fossil fuels because coal and oil are from living creatures they're from plants Mm. and sea animals that died over time left up layers and layers and layers in the bottom of oceans and they piled on top of each other and all of that carbon that was in them all of the energy from the sun and the things they ate gets stored in those fossil fuels and the idea is that this is a limited resource Hmm. eventually humanity will run out and what do you do then if our whole civilization is built on these limited resources you can almost see the expiration date of our civilization Hmm. unless we figure out something else right right now my grocery store that i go to um well, the one that I want to go to is about 20 miles away. It has a Costco and a Trader Joe's right next to each other. <laughs> back on, to back. And on the way home, I hit a Wegmans, which is about 7, 10 miles away from where I am now. Um, if you can imagine having to do that journey on foot wow. without your car, you know, it becomes more impossible. Uh, the closest food source to me, I believe, is one to two miles away mm-hmm. that would be a key food mm-hmm. um there's a pizzeria there too <laughs> but even just going two miles away imagine having to make that journey every time i have to you know go grocery shopping it seems absurd <laughs> to the modern human in the 21st century <laughs> the modern human 21st century yeah there's this whole concept that, you know, a lot of doomsday people and preppers kind of throw around. It's a real term, uh, like peak oil. Hmm. 
So basically, P like as in P E A K. Yeah. So if you look at a, if you think about a chart, right? We're using our oil. We're using our oil. We're using our oil. Also, we had a point where getting that oil out of the ground becomes more and more expensive, and it becomes prohibitively expensive, and then there's kind of just nothing left. So, but it's like free energy that took millions of years to be formed. We're taking millions of years of energy and we're using it very, very quickly. Hmm. So that's scarcity mindset to say once that's done, we're done. Hmm. Versus an abundance mindset, which would be like, how could we use this potentially free energy now to set ourselves up in the future to just different sources of energy? Asking ourselves better questions. Yes. Like someone made a point once, and I think this is a... Chris Matheson in his book, Peak Prosperity, he, he talked about how, you know, you would think seeing this, that we'd be, we'd be using oil and coal to mine the silicon out of the ground so we could make solar cells, because making a solar cell is very, very expensive. Getting the lithium out of the ground, because making lithium for batteries is very, very expensive and needs these big machines that burn coal and oil. You'd think we'd be doing that instead of basically throwing it away on the highway <laughs> and everyone's daily commutes, you know, on buses, trains, and automobiles. But anyway, scarcity mindset. What does this have to do with Christianity? Yes. What does it have to do with Christianity? I think most Christians act from a place of scarcity. How do I know this? Because most Christians I know are tired. They're so, so tired. And for many points in my Christian walk, I've had to stop myself and ask myself, what happened to the joy? What happened to the abundance? Why am I so tired? Why am I doing all these things? Why am I always operating from a point of scarcity? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I so like not satisfied with what I have and what I'm doing? And why is that? You have any thoughts? Currently, it would be clients. Mm. I'm believing the story that nobody really likes to to change mm. and um, yeah so I'm projecting more on others than taking responsibility of what I can change in mm. the way I find my clients and that takes that fuels me in the, in the sense it's much easier to focus on what I could do better versus clients with an S so vague and so wide and broad um, to feel responsible for. Yeah. I think you do do a really good job of this, though. I think you do, you have a daily practice of gratitude. I think you're always, you know, very grateful for the clients you do have, Mm -hmm. even though you would like more. Um, And, you know, you know how to celebrate milestones and victories. You know, like, oh, I got another client. Oh, I... Put this out. Let's celebrate. Let's have something special to eat. 
Or a margarita. <laughs> Favorite drink. Or mojito. Oh, mojito. Shout out to one of our friends who bought a mojito because she loves me. She does. I love you. <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, that's a practice. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. That's why I'm sure Brene Brown put it in here. Practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones such as I will check off my boxes yeah uh it's um uh, after i finish each task mm-hmm. instead of waiting at the end of the day to check off what i've done so as i'm doing it i'm checking that off and that's building and fueling me to get the other project done um and so i mean i see a lot of language in here um and i know that's for a different episode in a different time but uh i love to see what you have in here but for me personally uh, as far as scarcity uh and i probably went way too long but let's just land on on i i believe that that is one way that i that i believe it's not enough or never enough and the other one will be uh, my weight. The other one will be getting to a certain, um, yeah, I see it as a level. Like, I need to be this, my waist needs to be this amount of inches, you know, and um, so much pressure. You know, the I will, I will never, that language that says I will never have flat apps. Um yeah, going. I know I mentioned this in the last episode where I talked about how influential language is. So where it becomes your story, and that story becomes your reality. So those will be my two. Not enough clients. Um, never gonna get to my ideal weight. Yeah, that's great. How about you? <clears throat> well, I'm pretty content right now <laughs> with everything I have. I mean, I'm smart. Said no one ever. I'm smart, good looking. Uh, I mean, have a funny, m- amazing wife. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think this this can impact me a lot. You know, yes. I, I think a lot of a lot of people can misunderstand a lot of the issues I have, and I do have lots of issues. I don't think people are misunderstanding <laughs> your issues. <laughs> I do, because I think sometimes it all boils down to, I operate from a position of lack. Mm. I operate from a position of scarcity instead of from a position of, of abundance mm-hmm. or joy, right? And I, I want to, so I think a lot of issues can spring from a heart that's just full of scarcity Missing opportunities for joy, missing opportunities to recognize the amazingness that's going on. I want to look at a classic story, and I want to take a different approach than I think many would take with this story. Uh, I think this, this story is one of your favorites. And Luke 10, beginning in verse 38... It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Oh, the Mary Martha <laughs> So as a sister, when you hear a scripture like this, what is it? You're twitching a little bit. But what, what does that make you think or like feel? I have two books. I don't know why I have two copies. Maybe somebody gave me a copy. Maybe they felt like you, you were an extra Martha <laughs> and you really needed to... Um, well, a little background on that. I, like, I was so convinced that I was Mary. Maybe mm. that's why I have two copies. I Maybe. was so convinced because I didn't, I don't like the kitchen, as you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't like cooking. And I'd rather be outside in the Bible talk talking than running around the kitchen trying to serve people things and i will look at the sisters and be like see the scripture right here stop running around chick and i think the first time i thought about that the sister's name was martha <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't say that because, say it because she might be listening to this podcast i'm sure she knows and um I'm sorry, sis. I judged you. I mm. thought you were Martha, and I was being cool, Mary. I wanted to. The brothers were playing guitar because that's a, that ministry that we were in, and that's I loved. It. I loved sitting on the floor while listening to other people sing. I love listening to you sing, honey, and play your guitar. Thank you. Um, and so when yeah, so like when I read this book. <laughs> It was a little slap on the face. Okay. And the first thing that comes to mind when I read this story is that, well, what I had learned from this was that Mary had chosen better and that that will not be taken away from her. And that it's not saying that either or is wrong or right. And so that's what I walked away with. Um, But I certainly, it was a little bit of a journey getting me there until I marry you and you know I think we I think I might I'm probably said this so many times that you're like really hippie and I'm really nerd in some ways and then we switch roles often but when it comes to a gathering I will most likely be running into the kitchen getting resupplying stuff um well, and then I will get mad at you because you like you when I take out the food you start eating all of it before I guess and how all these dumb rules sure so um yeah yeah it's like that Martha is really like in there so that that's that's a little bit of my journey when it comes to like this as you said classic story <laughs> it's a classic story and I think what I'm what I'm hearing is mm-hmm. it's usually used seems like more with women than men. Absolutely. To kind of be like, okay, who do you want to be? Do you want to be a Martha or a Mary? Uh-huh. And I've heard it said that, okay, Martha was worried about all these stuff, and then Mary just wasn't, oh, right? She was just know. attending to her guest. Um, but I also, I also have heard it said that, you know, but Jesus wasn't saying that what Martha did was, was bad, because all these things need to get taken care of. Oh. Someone needs to take care of it. Oh. You know, kind of almost like excusing it. 
So I think this scripture is often used to bring up a point. Well, who do you want to be? Mary or Martha? Right. The either or black and white. Yeah, either or. And I want to revisit the scripture by saying you can't be either one <laughs> because they were people and you're you. So I think we're, we might be having the wrong conversation when we approach this story. Okay. And if you, you look at this the story, it's kind of couched, you know, between Jesus, you know, does a little preaching on prayer. And I think prayer is a very vulnerable thing. It's like where you're opening up your heart to God, right? If you're doing some type of public prayer, which is something I'm still trying to grow in. Yeah. You know, you're you're being vulnerable in a group of people with with God, right? And before that is like, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, where someone was asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, and he kind of tells this whole story to kind of illustrate what it's supposed to be so this placement of the story seems almost like odd hmm. you know it's a little odd when you think of the gospels as biographies mm. and you think that there must be a logical flow of events yeah. or if we take the view of scripture as the scripture is uh you know like a reality tv show and one of the apostles again probably peter is running around with the camera going you do that again jesus that was a great shot you know like so this is a youtuber (laughs) yeah this isn't the video play by play of like what happened these events were arranged for a point yes there was an agenda yes there was an intelligence behind this that organized these things for a specific reason so when you revisit this story i think there's there's a few things that kind of like shout out at me if somebody was sitting at a rabbi's feet, listening to their words, what would you consider them to be? Student. Student. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that would mean that you're their disciple. Yeah. Was it acceptable for a woman, a woman? Oh, no. to be no. a rabbi's student? or you know, Because basically, if you're being trained by a rabbi, you're being trained to be... A rabbi. A rabbi. Yourself. Yeah, not uh-huh. a spectator. Right. 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 Um, this wasn't even something that was proper for women to do. Mm-hmm. So looking at this from another point of view, Martha might not have necessarily been concerned about all the chores so much as her sister knowing her place. Interesting. I never yeah. thought about that. And when I look at it that way, I see something else about Mary that's very admirable. Hmm. It wasn't the fact that she was sitting there listening to Jesus. And she wasn't, it's not that she was being irresponsible. The point of the scripture is not to be irresponsible. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, no worries. Akuna Matata. No, just have faith. Just have faith. Akuna Matata. (laughs) Hashtag trust. Um, No, it was, (laughs) it was, if you imagine what it would take for a woman to sit at a rabbi's feet and to, even though it was inside her house, to publicly in front of her sister admit that she was a student of a rabbi. In my opinion, that takes a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's putting herself out there. Mm-hmm. And so when I read the scripture, I see an opportunity for us to open up our hearts and to be vulnerable to Jesus and the good news of the kingdom makes me wonder why are most of us 
very, very busy. Hmm. Why are most of us concerned with other people's places? Who's who and who's doing what? Yeah. You know, who's a leader, who's not a leader? Who's in the kingdom? Who's, who's in the kingdom, who's not of the kingdom? And I think it is because it is much easier to be busy and tired and act from a position of scarcity than it is to operate from a position of joy. To experience joy takes vulnerability. It takes How so? It takes opening up your heart mm-hmm. to something that can disappoint you. Yeah. You know, I think when we're busy and we're tired, mm-hmm. we're, we kind of almost like wave it like as a flag. Everyone look at me, I'm so busy. The more busy I am, the more important I am. Hear that often. The more tired I am. I'm tired because I have a lot of responsibilities. Because the church sees something in me, and I have a lot of things to do. I've been called. I've been selected. I've been honored to go around and do a whole bunch of things. So I'm tired. Yeah. You know? We hear this often. Yeah. And to experience joy takes vulnerability. It can open you up to feeling hurt, disappointment, and discouragement. Mary, being a student of Jesus, sitting at his feet, took a lot of vulnerability. Because, yeah, she was, you know, she was joyfully sitting at the Lord's feet. She was learning from him as a student of a rabbi, and apparently to be a rabbi herself, right? It exposed her to, you know, being criticized, to being, you know, told, you need to get back to your place. Wow. You know, you're, you're a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing? Versus, uh, you know, it, exposing herself that way. And in some respects, she's braver here than a lot of men who follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. There was a Pharisee whose name was Nicodemus, who was also a disciple of Jesus, and he would visit Jesus in secret at nighttime, so nobody could see. You know, and so I think that's that's something here that you know we can really we can really learn from. You know. Understanding that being too busy and being too tired is operating from a scarcity mindset that's not allowing us to feel joy because joy is being vulnerable. So that finishes up uh, the second armor, which is scarcity or working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition. And the daring component of that, the daring leadership, the daring way we can be is acting from a point of view of abundance or practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones and victory. And, you know, the whole concept is it is actually very vulnerable to open up ourselves to joy. Mm. And it's easier to just stay busy and just do lots of things for the sake of doing things. Yeah. And just, I think the shift in mindset is just, okay, with all the things am I, I'm doing, am I experiencing joy? Are the people around me experiencing joy? I'm actually contributing to the world. Or am I just fulfilling my moral duty? Mm, yeah. You know? That's a good question. And I think... A lot of times as Christians, we can let ourselves off the hook when it comes to joy, and we can focus on just the things that we're doing. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes we, quote unquote, get off the hook because we're serving others. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm tired and I'm worn out and it's because I love God and I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we lie to ourselves and we say that it's it's not because we're closing ourselves off from the true, true joy that's supposed to come from the Spirit, the true life to the full mm-hmm. that we should be experiencing and we're just, you know, like, you know what? I can't be responsible for that. I'm not happy. Um, I'm not supposed to be happy. God never promised me to be happy. And I can't worry about anyone else's happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. You know, all I can do is open up my home or all I can do is sit down with somebody or all I can do is go to this study, run around to this event, serve in this capacity. And it just becomes an endless list of things that we're doing. You know, and I think, you know, we can even approach raising our children like this, too. Raising children could just be about things. It can be about getting a good grade. It could be about getting on the right sport team, getting into the right college. And then, you know, we come to a point where we totally miss our children. Our children are loving, thinking human beings that will remember more the way you made them feel versus anything that you accomplished Mm. or they accomplished yeah they're not grading your parenthood (laughs) they're not giving you any gold stars at the end of the day they're just going to remember those moments of joy those moments of love the celebrations and just the times that you had together where you were all thankful yeah yeah i'm gonna give you the the video to children imitate what we do yeah uh for the show notes yeah it's a great point you know, it's funny because I don't know if uh, our niece got this from you. <laughs> I don't mean she to, tends to listen to a lot of things. I don't mean to throw you like, like potentially under the bus here. Okay. But it was uh, her brother's birthday. Okay. And uh, I think she might have been feeling some things. Okay. Because it wasn't her birthday, right? <laughs> as as kids can get. Sure. And uh, she, I felt like she kind of protected herself by grabbing a clipboard and making sure that everyone had a to do list. Wow. Because she ran out and usually like she's like super like happy and fun. Mm-hmm. And she was like really upset because there was no to-do list. And so she made one. And she made one. She started checking things off. She was like tent, check. Cake, check. Decorations, check. Tio Jimmy holding something, check. Wow. Yeah. She just dropped a bomb on the checklist being a, a form of protection. Yeah. Wow. I didn't make that clear before? No. I, right now, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I've seen that in other people, and I'm going to humbly put myself out here for accountability on how I'm going to start paying attention yep. to myself. Because it's easier to see that. And I've I seen like adults not really feeling comfortable with other people. And so they're in the kitchen. They're, mm-hmm. they're washing dishes. They're doing stuff. Yep. Because it's it's easier to do all that than to say hi to people. Yeah. Wow. Are you pointing I out? I want to check myself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You worry about yourself. You worry about yourself. <laughs> You pointed this out to me too on a lot of like birthdays that mm. we we often have for the church. Okay. We get so oh, yes. we get so into serving the person for their birthday. And we don't talk to them. And we don't end up talking to the person whose birthday it actually is cuz we're washing the dishes, 
or we're or cooking the food or we're oh, we have our itinerary of the plans that we're gonna do yeah we just spent two hours decorating and we're so tired we don't want to talk oh my anymore goodness. you know and we ran around all over the uh, island or the city sure. you know and uh the way you know, as i'm talking the way uh and i know this about myself but when i'm working with a team that i'm responsible for or i'm in charge of uh, I tend to get very much about work, you know? And I know my last team that I had for the YMCA, um, my camp team especially, when we ran camps, uh, I was really comfortable being close with everybody when we were, you know, doing stuff for camp. But, you know, like, it's a camp. Camp is fun. Camp is an intense eight weeks, eight to ten weeks, where you, like, you get really close to a group of people at whatever level you're operating in that camp on. And uh, I would always feel like uncomfortable like when people wanted to talk or hang out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like I guess we can do something that's not work-related. <laughs> I guess that should be fun. And, you know, I really learned to love those times. Um, I have, you know, friendships from people I led, from my staff. You know, and people even that were on the same level as me or above me that like I really treasure to this day because I pushed myself to be vulnerable. I leaned into the uncomfortability. Oh, you guys want to go and drink at a bar and have some finger food? (laughs) Yeah. And I did it and it became like a bedrock of like this is so valuable because we're not talking about work. We're talking about Star Wars, or we're talking about Star Trek, <laughs> or we're talking about, we're just laughing, we're talking about our lives outside of work, mm-hmm. and we're just interacting with people as people. Yeah. And it's vulnerable, because it's like, it's no, work couldn't be my filter anymore wow. to protect me, yeah. you know? And I ended up inviting these people in, and I, I love these people now, like, you know, like, and it, it taught me a lot about vulnerability, just seeing their vulnerability, because they were the ones who were like, yeah, let's just go hang out. Let's do something. Yeah. But, but we're not going to file anything. Yeah. We're not going to meet about anything. And it was like, it's just so much fun and so worthwhile. And it brought the joy for me into those roles that I did. It became, you know, it wasn't about just paperwork and keeping the kids safe and doing great activities. It was about like actually like just having joy, having fun. Being with people that felt like family. Mm, wow, that's that's not my story. I know in camp when I, and back in two thousand, because all these members are coming back after interviewing Artie. Artie, shout out. His video is up, I think, right? Yeah, it's up in the YouTube channel. But um, every summer camp we celebrated, like not just at the end for the after the uh, um, culminating event. But it was like every weekend we'll go and drink or do, I mean, I mean, special karaoke. I mean, it was flushing. <laughs> That's like, why was, it was uh, like mandatory. Why was karaoke so was important in flushing? Why was that? Flushing, it is the melting pot of all of Asia. Oh, I see. <laughs> and, uh, so this is like you know when my first year it was like i mean i remember just coming home with like no voice Mm. from either singing or drinking 
<laughs> right? It was either or. And when I became a disciple, I drastically dropped them. Mm. Where they were like, Patty, you used to be so much fun. Wow. They associated Christianity with not being fun anymore. Yes. And uh, I... I wish I could say that I learned from that experience, but when I became a, a director myself, uh, and even having, you know, um, just not being able to connect with like my assistant director who uh, in one of my sites who wanted to go to happy hour. This is what, this was her relation. This was her relationship with her old, um, older boss mm-hmm. she wanted the same thing with me and again I wish I could stand here and say I learned my lesson no I didn't you know and um, because again going to drink a margarita or mojito is not sin what <laughs> and cut I... off the podcast cut off the podcast <laughs> and um Man, okay, so I know in episode one, I had done the challenge for myself of like reaching out to my middle school friends. I'm reaching out to these folks that wow, that's great. have asked me for a drink and uh, take them out on a drink. I was so afraid, <laughs> you know, and and looking back, this this was a, a, a huge um, lack of vulnerability. Mm. Wow. Amen. Right. One drink doesn't mean I'm going to go get drunk, people. It means I'm going for a drink. Like, the joy of having people over, which, fast forward, now we do. Our friends come over. Yeah, sure, absolutely. There's there's margaritas. There's mojitos. There's finger food. I mean, we're looking forward to this Saturday coming up for a cash flow night. You know, so yes, it's different now, but I'm not at the Y anymore. Mm. I'm not back in those nonprofits where these people have associated me or Christianity with all these rules that they were screaming to get closer to me. Yeah, and I think as human beings, uh, God made us uh, to to be vulnerable, to experience joy, to be close to each other. And, you know, God didn't make us just to be busy, 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 busy. Mm-hmm. And just to do, 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 do. And uh, I think that's something in, you know, modern Christianity, we just, we need to learn to embrace that. Mm, That's a good word, embrace. Yeah, I think if the whole point of, you know, Christianity is, you know, resurrection of the dead, the reuniting of heaven and earth, um, you know, building the kingdom here on earth, uh, that means that it's more about the love and the joy that we produce in our lives and the lives of others versus anything we accomplish yes so i think it's just changing the question and changing what we focus on that really is the secret here from going from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset so we don't want to just do 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 we want to love we want joy and that takes a lot of vulnerability because we're opening ourselves up to joy we're also opening ourselves up to being disappointed mm-hmm. and being hurt. Yeah. Right? So thank you so much for everything you shared um, about like your own experience, uh, being a supervisor at the YMCA and going from you know working in a place and then having a big life change, we're becoming a disciple, becoming a Christian. Um, I think it's going to help out a lot of people. It, it helped out me. Mm-hmm. And my wife 
is my hero when it comes to being vulnerable and being trying to keep herself in an abundance mindset and fighting the temptation just to be focused on lack and being tired. And uh, thank you so much for being that example in my own life. Well, yeah, gratitude is a practice. And yeah. that truly has changed my life when I started my gratitude journal. Mm. And it really did. It, it like changed, literally changed, changed your life. life. It changed our marriage. It changed our marriage. Yeah. Absolutely. That wraps up the second part of Armor Up. Next week, we'll go to the third one, which is numbing. What? I can't feel you. <laughs> That's the armor leadership. And the daring leadership to that is setting boundaries and finding real comfort. Thanks for joining us, guys. Please head over to our website if you want to go and read the show notes and join our live community if you want to go into the deeper, deeper dives that Jimmy um, has poured out for us. We'll see you next week. Adios, muchachos. Muchachos.